0: This episode of the On The Radar Podcast is brought to you by Laser Light Recording Studio in Waterville, Ohio. The world is calling. Pick it up. Welcome to another great episode of the On The Radar Podcast. This is a podcast that features music, interviews, and studio performances with X coming to, through, and from the greater Midwestern areas. My name is Peapod. Uh, I am back in my home, another home edition of the podcast, because uh, good old Rona is still going around. And I'm very excited uh, that uh, our good friend of the show... Dean Tartaglia and his little star PR has hooked us up with a great band coming out of the Chicago area and very excited uh, to have uh, two of the three members, the married couple uh, of Tony and Kat Baker from the band Broken Robots. How are you guys doing today?
1: Pretty good. Well. Pretty good. It's, uh, you know, it's just another Groundhog Day at this point, kind of. (laughs) we're starting to pick up a little bit here and there and do some things. We've got some stuff going on, but you know, it's, it's not a lot of free time. <laughs> <still>. it's, <laughs> it's
0: that weird middle part of like after Christmas and new year's that it's just been perpetually going for about four months now.
1: Exactly. Right. And like, yeah, like I have to be careful too. Cause I, I'll like spend too much time on the internet and then it's like, I'm just like,
0: Pow! like my yeah. brain explodes. I don't know. It's it's good. It's so, it's just heavy. It is heavy right now with everything that is going on. Yeah.
2: So true. Everybody's at a different, I've I've noticed everybody's at a different uh, tempo. Everyone's at a different pace, you know. Before this all started, you know, everyone was relatively at the same pace, whatever that is, you know. But Mm -hmm. now, you know, people that you're close with, you know, and not close with, it's just like everybody is at a different rate or, or tempo. I don't know how to explain it, you know. So it's Which, uh, yeah, hopefully it levels out pretty soon.
0: Yeah, it's so weird. It's something that I never thought, uh, and I I talked about this uh, previously in almost every act uh, so far during this has said the same thing. It's like, we never thought we would be in a situation like this that would affect the entire world at the same time. And it's just just
2: wild, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 yeah it's the only things that you you know fantasize about is like something like this was never actually gonna happen like come it's,
1: on. yeah it seems like a, a bat like somebody's writing like like you know like at the end of it like a tv series you're like season seven pretty much everything that can happen has happened mm-hmm. so then they start writing in all these wild wacky scenarios and it's just like starts to get completely out of hand like right before they're like yeah we're canceling the show there's nothing else we can do that's what it feels like to me <laughs>
0: It seems like it almost seems like it's like a soft reboot. So like, uh, America, like Earth, the, the the series is gonna get a, a new reboot coming soon in twenty twenty.
1: Hopefully, it's a spin off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't wait. What the writers to think of this one? Um, let's kind of talk about Broken Robots a little bit. But before that, like reading some of the bio and everything, um, uh, your guys' story it was it almost had tragic starts. But from there kind of came something beautiful. Um, you both worked in the music industry in some sort of level, and then you just both kind of left it. So what? where was the start and why did you end up just like leaving it for a bit?
1: So for me, I, I never really got off the ground, really. I grew up, you know, in kind of like rural suburban Illinois, and my family is very blue collar, like, you know, like, like we're just like like the music thing it it seemed like an unattainable distant reality to me and I I was driven by music a lot when I was younger I learned how to play guitar Um, I learned how to play some keys and uh, I started writing music when I was like 16 17 years old but it was like you know I had this overwhelming like pressure feeling where it's like you need to get a real job. You know, like, that's not a real job. Like, my family just wasn't aware. The people I was, like, around, they, like, they just weren't aware of the possibilities of the music industry and, like, how many different facets there are to it. And it, it was, like, I lived kind of in a bubble. So I never really pursued it professionally. I just wrote songs when I was younger and and stuff like that. But never really pursued anything professionally because I just didn't know, like, what you could do. I, I never had an education or anything like that. So. Um it just seemed unattainable to me. So I really I, I I dreamt about it, but I never really like went into it because you know I'm like out in the middle of some rural suburban area. Like, you know, like like I'm I my family was like, you need to be a hairdresser, You're you know, hair. your hairdresser, or like, you know, it's like I don't want to do that. <laughs> and it wasn't until after I had already overcome the drug addiction and Tony and I did that together, and we were starting to make music for fun. You know where i started realizing like oh wait a minute like there's you can do a lot of stuff like in the music industry and be involved in the music industry and and not just like make money but like like there's like a whole like there's a whole thing like aside from just artistry where there's like you know producing and engineering and 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 anything like in yeah. that realm of music that i i didn't realize like you can you can do production and you can use that to fund your music career you know like i didn't even think about it that way so that's kind of for me like how how it was you know it wasn't until i was like 25 did i actually start realizing there was like something that you could actually realistically do
2: there's so many like go yeah go ahead uh, and i had you know um growing up i started recording like when i was like 15 you know like i've always been recording 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 and uh I I had studios my whole life, you know, like little uh house studios and stuff. And then um I figured I needed to get a piece of paper. So I went out to Arizona and I went to college for ten months. It was like a crash course kind of thing, uh, for engineering. And I already knew Pro Tools before even going there. So it was like I just I felt like I needed to do it. So I, you know, wasted a lot of money and went to school. You got but, uh, some
1: connections, yeah. You yeah, yeah. got some connections after you went to school.
2: I got homesick. I guess I was out there about two years. I came back here. I got jobs everywhere. I worked at the House of Blues and like Mar, or uh, yeah, Martyrs and Kingston Mines and a whole bunch of places. I had my studio, but uh, I don't know. Something was just not right, and I, I started drinking a lot, and I was drinking like way out of control. Started taking a lot of uh, benzodiazepines along with it got into this routine, and I just couldn't get happy, and, you know, obviously, now I know why, um, but, and then I, you know, stumbled across uh, heroin one day, and it was a lot cheaper and a lot easier, so I just got involved in that, and then 10 years went by, and I woke up, and uh, I met her on the side of the road. I was panhandling one day, and she came by, she was, like, driving, and she used to give me cigarettes and uh, dollars once in a while, you know, and it's a it's a, it's a, a pretty intense story, um, but. That's really how we met. <laughs> and uh she was looking for drugs and she basically pulled up next and was like, You're a drug addict, aren't you? And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, All right, cool. Can you help me get some drugs? And I was like, Wow, all right, sure.
1: I paid him and uh he wasn't just like for fun. You know, it and, was paid it was a paid job opportunity. But when it
2: when it gets when it gets that <laughs> when it gets like that that deep and that you just you know, that's the way it is, you know, anyone in that lifestyle understands exactly what was going on, you know. So um, but yeah, you know, we, we developed an awesome friendship before anything, you know, for months, you know, we never even actually used drugs together. We would just hang out and talk and then kind of go on our own way and do the, the stupid stuff, you know, and then, uh, but anyway, yeah, we did that for a while and got into a lot of trouble and then wound up getting help. And, uh, yeah, it's like almost, we're going in almost four years of like complete sobriety and everything. And, um, so I had all this experience and we got this apartment. I'm like, Hey, let's build a studio she's like okay what does that mean you know and i'm like it's really affordable nowadays you know we can do it I, I know how to run crow tools and uh yeah we put it together in less than a year we just got day jobs and uh instead of doing drugs and and letting our brains go crazy we just wrote an album you know like uh that home is not a place uh album
1: and, and- uh like to reel back to like your question um with tony falling out like it- I feel like it's very important when we have a platform to say the things that we know. And this is one of those things. Um, alcohol and, and benzodiazepine use can create uh, a weird headspace for people where like, they don't care about things anymore. They don't have, they don't have you know inhibitions. So yeah, that's part bro. of how he got into heroin. It's not like he went looking for it. This is really right. important. He didn't go looking for it um it actually in an unspecified place that he was working uh somebody else had it and they were using it and they seemed fine right yeah so that's how it happens you're on one drug you're on another drug and then all of a sudden heroin becomes like something that's not so bad because like your brain is just not processing things the right way so
2: yeah it could justify anything so yeah yeah that's where you know and i had a lot of you know other struggles you know mentally that kind of didn't help you know and, and all that but uh yeah
1: we both are mental health issue people a before addiction addiction people too you know like that's how a lot of that happens yeah, yeah. it's so almost yeah, like
0: a, it's almost like a perfect storm of of just like of no 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 support system and un, just unsure where to go and then just like hard times and it just kind of snowballed from there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. like a, a, like, I feel like there's like a certain hopelessness that's uh, we both had. And I think that that happens to a lot of people, especially right now. I worry for people um, because of what we feel like what we're in right now is something that's going to last forever, but it's just a, a time in our lives. But a lot of people, depending on where they were before this and where they're heading and stuff like, yeah, if you don't have direction, and yeah, you don't have a good support group. You pretty much nailed it. Like that's, yeah, that's really that all it. definitely applies.
2: Support, yeah, support, And also, and having goals, you know, like it's crazy, but goals are really important. Not just big goals, small, but like goals small ones. Small. Like
1: what, I'm gonna, what am I going to do in the next six months? What am I going to do in the next year? The next five years, the next 10 years? Like that's so important. Even if you don't write it all down, like having it in your head, it's, it's, it keeps you from getting lost. I think.
0: Anything to keep yourself going forward. In, in some sort of goal or fashion, as long as you're moving forward, I feel like that's always important. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, the, you know, it doesn't matter about the big goals or, you know, it, it matters of like where you're, you, you've taken yourself and the growth you've had. And and yeah. already hearing the story from you two, the growth is already tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You should see some pictures. We yeah. have got some nasty, yeah, yeah. uh, I feel like I don't know like this is like a thing in the the drug addict ex drug addict community where it's like we're always like look at these pictures of us when we were homeless you know but it's like seriously like it's crazy to see in in some ways like you even like will age backwards a little bit because like you're you put yourself in such like unhealthy space like and you actually change things you start changing your behaviors you start Focusing more on like exercising and like positive coping mechanisms and everything and like yeah. it, it shows like in in everything that you do like
2: Yeah, positive coping mechanisms. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah it's like so important and you can and they can be so simple and you know It doesn't have everything doesn't have to be so grandiose, you know, like the little uh, little victories. It's like, yeah,
1: yeah
0: We're not unfamiliar with the opioid uh, uh, epidemic that is happening in Ohio. It's very actually Ohio. And even in Northwest Ohio where we're based out of is, is like almost an epicenter uh, of a lot of issues.
1: Yeah. That's I've heard about Ohio too. I I'm not, you know, I I'm very uh, hip on like everything going on in Illinois and Chicago and everything, but um, I've heard Ohio has got a bad problem too. I'm hoping. Yeah. um, With, with, uh, overdoses. I do know that the nationwide overdose uh, number has gone down in 2019 versus yeah. 2018. Fine. So mm-hmm. that's good, they're making some progress. Um, we just did uh, a little live stream show for uh, naloxone awareness for Narcan, it keeps you know it, it, it basically revives people. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but yeah, it's yes,
0: very people. familiar with it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, so that's one way to help. We definitely. I think a lot of the talk going on around police reform and all that stuff is important too. I have all my own opinions on that uh, criminal reform, but there is ways for people to get out. They can get out, like it's possible, but there's so much work that has to be done by the communities in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people, uh, when they speak about like the defunding of the police, they're not saying to get rid of the police. They're saying if you take the money that so much of the police gets, and then you spread it out into a better community, and you help your community have better access to things like better education, uh, better you know uh, resources, mental health things like that. If you raise the idea of everybody else and even things out then you know you don't need to have a whole police force to take down one person uh no matter how minor the issue is
1: well in this right here like this is something yeah like this part of everything going on right now i feel very strongly about i think that there is there are there are gonna have to be ways that they figure out how to do this because drug addicts like part of the problem like for example like with with Tony and I, the the last two times we got arrested, we got arrested in January and May 2016. And the last two times, uh, it was just like the last time we were just sitting, we were sleeping in our car, just like in a McDonald's parking lot. We were just sleeping in our car, and the, the police came. And some I don't know if somebody called them. I, I they had been watching us. They they'd follow us around sometimes because they knew, and we were in a smaller community, so they knew like we were doing, we were up to something, you know. Um, cause we were homeless and we were out all the time, but, but yeah, the police came and, and, uh, you know, I don't know if, if we, if there needed to be like armed police, like showing up to that car that we were sleeping in. I mean, maybe because like, who knows who we are, but at the end of the day, like we didn't, we weren't unarmed. We had nothing dangerous besides the drugs. We weren't hurting anyone except for ourselves necessarily. So there is, you know. I have marks on my criminal record that affect the way I live every single day of my life. I'm a convicted criminal felon, which means that I'm not allowed to own a gun. In some states, I'm not allowed to vote. In Illinois, I'm allowed to vote. Um, I have problems getting jobs. I have problems renting anywhere. Um, felons are the only people that you can legally discriminate against in rentals. You can say, "Oh, you have a criminal felony. I don't want you here. That's mess. That's getting my neighborhood dirty. You know, I don't want that. You know." And so. Felons deal with such and and this is like really relevant, especially because this is another one of those problems that affects black people more than white people on, uh, you know, when you're looking at numbers. So the criminal reform, uh, police reform, getting opportunities for criminal felons rather than getting uh, getting them in jail and, you know. It doesn't do anything. Basically, you throw somebody in jail for six months, then they come out and everything that they had, if they had anything at all, was gone. They have to start over again. And now they have all these, like, you know, marks that are making it harder for them to keep going. And, like, people do get better. And it's, like, a process, you know? I mean, to
2: me, it's so, so clear. I don't know why it's hard to see this revolving door in, in the judicial system with the... Criminal the, recidivism. The, well, the, the prison complex. I mean, it's just such a clear, obvious thing so i think that there's gonna definitely be change it's already happening the first step back, the second step back um that, that just happened they're
1: working on a justice bill too
2: yeah well yeah but yeah it's, there's definitely change happening so that's exciting it's just how much and how how detailed they're gonna get how, how much are they willing to be accountable like transparent like we fu- we fucked up like we messed up this is horrible you know it's like there's even in the 13th amendment if you really read it it allows for this it, it enables it you know what i'm saying so
1: he's talking about slave labor in, in prisons yeah, which is know, a whole different topic but but uh, it
2: enables everything before it enables the, the you know the, the people getting locked up like just left and right instead of counsel counseled and and treated like a human being and needing help you know not a criminal because there are criminals and then there are drug addicts i know that's that sounds you know taboo but it's it's the truth you know that like i was in jail with them you know like you know, criminals of all colors that just love to be a criminal. They have no incentive except for just loving to be a criminal.
1: Well, because if you're only, if you're only experienced in life, this is a song that we released actually, Dimes and Quarters, not the most recent one we released, but the the one before that in February we released. And it's a song about criminal recidivism, which is like the tendency for a criminal to continuously go back to doing crime. And it's like, is it because they're a bad person? No, it's because... You know, when you learn how to make $300 a day selling drugs and you can do that easily from your home and you, ha- you have the knowledge and this is what you've learned and you've been allowed to do this and, and, and then you're told you can't do this anymore and now you have to work at McDonald's for $10 an hour because you have a criminal record and no school or anything like that, no family to support you. Like It's like, why would I live and work in this terrible environment? getting paid very little to do something I don't care about or I can do something risky and make lots of, it's like, you know, we have to figure out how to fix it all. So it'll just keep happening. It's going to
2: keep happening. Yeah. You know,
0: we're at an apex uh, in, in, in social and political sense of like people are just, just can't take it anymore over right. what's yeah. going on. And, and I feel like we're going to have some, growing pains during that and the, and we're already witnessing that um, but I think it's towards a better future I think that's I think that's where we're going hopefully I have hope in people I don't trust people necessarily but I yeah. have hope in people in the that yeah. we could get to the direction if not for our generation now generations afterwards because it, it,
2: it goes beyond just us oh for sure yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: it's oh yeah for- i
2: think what you just said though everything that just embodies that like but there's patience involved and that's the hardest part you know it's like revolutions change all the things you know all the things don't happen overnight and it's like and especially today in 2020 like we want it now we want it yesterday you know like we want everything right now now on my phone done you know mm-hmm. but it's gonna take you like you said growing pains it's definitely gonna take uh you know some time but i definitely see it uh pivoting i you know i see a pivot yeah, I know I a lot of stuff.
1: The awareness of a lot of these issues is so important because, you know, with, with spreading awareness, like, you know, I maybe I don't know what to do to help. Maybe you don't know what to do to help, but maybe somebody watching this video will know what to do and they can help if they know how big of an issue it is. So that's like, you know, the activism, the rioting and stuff like that. Like, it's kind of just part of the whole process. It's been a part of the American process as far as I understand for since we were a country. So yeah, I guess growing pains, I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh,
0: it, it, as long as somebody, you could do something to forward progress. I think that's, that's the biggest part. If you're there exactly. to hinder progress, then you're, you're part of the problem.
1: Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about Home Is Not A Place. We touched on it a little bit, but uh, it, you know, those are the list of songs that you started writing together after you guys got clean and everything. But uh, you know, what's some of the topics you kind of hit on uh, with that album? And then some of the new stuff that, you, that you've that you been slowly pumping out. 14 to 1, Sucker Punch, Drippy, Dimes and Quarters, Mockingbird being the most recent one. And we'll dive into that one momentarily. Yeah. Um, but uh, Home Is Not A Place... Tell me a little bit about the headspace of that album.
1: So it was, that album is funny because we, when we first started, we had no intentions of being a live band. We had no real intentions of starting a music career necessarily. Um, Tony, like he had been addicted to drugs for eight years. He hadn't been mixing or, or anything like that. And, and he wanted to, you know, get his skills back up to par so we could try to get back into the industry. And so while we were doing that i i wanted to learn how to get into it so while he was teaching me how pro tools worked and everything we started recording these songs and we were putting them on soundcloud just as a studio project so we started off with like three or four and then we just kept going and we're like we're just going to do an album like because why not like we've already done four or five songs like
2: i was so rusty on my chops, <laughs> so it's like i had to like get my chops back and we just- did a whole entire album. And there was a bunch of songs we didn't even put on the album, too. Yeah. That, um, But, yeah, it was the quickest way for me to get my chops back and for her to learn, too, because now she fully assists on all the sessions. It's great. Right? Yeah. I can do a lot of the guitar work without worrying about Pro Tools, so it's really nice.
1: As far as, like, subject matter goes, um, it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with with addiction, um, experiences, like, as far as, like, there's a song that we wrote called Satan's Lunchbox, which is something we wrote Right around the time, I think it was the, the, it was a park, some, there was a shooting in Florida, I think, in a school, and we wrote it right after that, but it was just reflecting on, on that going on at the time and how many of the school shootings that happened and also reflecting on, like, not being able to own a gun and how that makes you feel in a situation where the world could be falling apart, like, you know, so we touched on that subject. There's a song called Homemade Hand Grenades which is loosely based on one time when my mom's trailer got raided by the DEA. (laughs) That's another story for another day. But uh, that song is uh, loosely based on that experience. Um, And then, yeah, we've got Bad Habits, which a lot of people like. That's probably, the song Bad Habits is probably most people's favorite, like when they first hear us, because it's just mostly just like this kind of raw song talking about letting your your bad habits like kind of like take over your, your life and define you and, and it, it touches on drugs and you know a couple bad habits locked up in the basement you know can't perform a search without a probable cause phrases like that are thrown around so it's like we, we were a little bit more erratic in that album I think we've like you know with our more newer stuff we've we've kind of like zoomed in more on like subjects per song but uh you can definitely hear the growth.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> and also there's, you know, the crossover from Home Is Not A Place to everything we've done now is Lonnie. Of course, the bass player, mm-hmm. um, it's been, we got Lonnie and I've known Lonnie for like over 20 years. I've been in a couple bands with him. I've always loved his style. And uh, yeah, he came aboard and it just kind of like we were able like she said, hone in on this like kind of sound that still embodies a bunch of different genres, but it has more of a, uh, a darker feel to it. I think you could say than Home Is Not A Place. Um, I would say Home is not a place is a little brighter and this stuff is a little darker. Um I do I do like Home is not a
0: place, but I do like some of the newer stuff that is coming out. And the biggest one uh that you talked about that focused a lot about the the quarantine and the reaction by the media and and you know our uh response as people was uh Mockingbird.
1: Yeah. 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 That may be our ballsiest song to date.
0: <laughs> awesome. Tell me tell me a little bit around the idea of it.
1: So we we started writing uh, that song actually last April because we were noticing a lot of media sensationalism going on back then, um, a lot of social media uh, problems where, you know, you have this, it's, social media is amazing because like you can rapid fire information from one person to a whole nother person somewhere that that you've never met. Like you can rapid fire information out like so quickly and spread it and share it like, like, that the amount of misinformation on social media is another like inspiration for that song too because it's just like people are like rapid firing all this stuff at you and you're like, oh my God, is this true? Is this not true? I don't know. You don't know what's really going on. All of a sudden you're like, you're losing touch with reality. Like, especially when you're in a quarantine and you're socially isolated. It almost feels um, like something uh, devious is going on. And I think that's why a lot of people are like, like, grabbing onto conspiracy theories and stuff a lot more often lately is because it everything going on right now, like it's being, it's being exploited. I think the pandemic is being exploited by some of the media for, for clicks and, and, and likes, and they want you to watch, they want ratings, they want views, they want your, your ad money, you know? So it's like, everything is just like trying to get your attention. And, you know, I, I can't even really read news on social media anymore, to be honest with you, because it's like, everything's a clickbait title. It's like this, you know, this somebody said this and everyone is outraged outraged. And, outraged outraged and it's like is everyone really out are you telling me to be outraged i feel like there's something going on right now so it's like that you know the different media channels um we've gotten into the habit now of doing like media bias fact check runs on multiple different websites every time we read something or hear about something like because like we're not even really sure what's real and what's not anymore you watch you watch cnn you get one narrative you watch fox news you get another narrative these two People depending on what news you watch, you're living in a different reality. Yeah. And then you can't even you can't even talk to people. You can't argue to people. And that's the thing. And
2: then once you interact, people have different narratives. And it's like, And they think you you're and then you think <laughs> you're crazy. And then <laughs> you think, you know, and you start questioning yourself. There's no doubt, I don't know about you, but I mean, there that there's some sort of uh detachment almost like I thought I was going crazy at one point. Oh I'm absolutely or you know, I, I didn't know what to believe. I thought I was being paranoid and then it was just, you know, it's, yeah, it was a very real uh, delusional almost. <laughs> zero one, zero one, zero one, 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 zero one.
1: information, can't compute this mass frustration, algorithmic crashing nation, you're just here for likes and favorites, viruses are quite contagious, did the work, forgot to save it, stand in line for your same places, battling our own complacence. We're so complacent. Crashing Nation Zero one zero one zero one one zero one zero 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 zero. News and DDS sensations, monsters of their own creation, profiting off our engagement, tired of their provocation. Here's a quote, but not verbatim. Reel them in, but first clickbait them. Biochemical contagion is their fault and we should blame them.
0: think during the heavy lockdowns uh during the coronavirus in ohio i think i just like ended up turning into an anarchist and i was just like you know what fuck this burn it all just like i'm done i'm over it and i was just like i it got so bad like i like social media because it connects people and and connects ideas and brands and 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 share arts and things like that i hate social media because it connects us through everything else so we're so connected and the idea of like Uh, the the, the sweeping cancel culture and like, it's almost like a knee jerk reaction and a broad stroke for every problem. And every problem doesn't, it doesn't get one answer. Every problem has to be on an individual basis and see what's going on.
1: Well, exactly. You know, it's, America has something called uh, innocent until proven guilty. And I feel like people who believe in cancel culture don't understand that concept. There are so many nuanced layers to every situation, you know, Whether or not somebody should be canceled like, highly depends on their willingness to change, whether or not they actually did something malicious in the first place, because people are confusing malice, and they're confusing malice with ignorance, and they're not the same, and you can't treat them the same, because if you treat every ignorant person as if they're being purposely malicious, you will never get anything done. You're never going to teach anyone. Everything that's going to happen is you know, if somebody, if somebody has, you know, and I have my own experience. I'm in high school dropout. I didn't go to college. I don't know a lot about everything. You know, I know what I know. And that's about it. Like, I try not to think I know everything, but I feel like, like somebody like me, like I needed to be gently educated about a lot of things in my life from people who understood that I, wasn't like stupid or mean. I would just have like my own beliefs. A lot of them, like because I didn't go through college and everything like that, it's kind of self self created, you know, or or cultural or whatever. And you know, you have to be open to to gently telling somebody, hey, you know, something that you just said might be bad, or something you said might be bad because of this. It might hurt this person's feelings. Like, and be receptive to that kind of um dialogue because if you don't have that, like, it, it seems just like a, a way to hurt people that you don't like. That's that's what it really ends up seeming like to me. Like if you, you're like, ha, I knew I didn't like that person for some reason, you know, and then you just like run with it. And it's like, whoa, whoa. A lot of people, depending on who you are, some people are um, more publicly visible than others. And a lot of people who cancel other people don't realize that they've done some things that are cancelable too, but they just don't have public visibility. So it's like a, a different, you know, it, I feel like empathy is really important here. Like,
2: yeah, but one of the biggest problems with, with social media is that like you cannot empathy does not translate. Like it does, and a whole bunch of other things don't translate. And you know the the art or whatever you want to call it of human interaction has become so undervalued. And <clears throat> I think we're getting into a scary area of like by default not wanting human interaction. Not me per se. Um, you know, people um, would rather be on their phone than than interact you know, at the end of the day, because you know, the thought of five people is one thing, 10, 20 starts becoming overwhelming, and it shouldn't be that way, like 20 people is not overwhelming, it's okay, you can be in a restaurant, you know, or things like, you know, because I've found so many of these arguments that you get into, or these debates, no one wins on the internet, it's like, I don't know if you know about the, the Chicago Bears and the Packers, like they're huge rivals, like, there's no way you're going to make one like the other over the internet, if for, that yeah, to yeah. Happen, if for that to happen, it would only happen in real life, like in interaction, People have body energies. They have tempos in the way they speak. They make facial reactions. You know, there's so, much, there's so much that goes in to a conversation. And the first thing that happens is compassion. You don't want to hurt somebody, but when you're online, you're detached it's you not somebody it's just it's, it's, it's fake it's an you icon know?
1: with it's, some words next to it it's
2: not damaging you, you know you, you don't know? feel like it's damaging you know and well
1: especially now i'm watching people in the chicago music industry like tear each other apart on the internet right now not everyone i'm not i'm just saying very few people here and there like we'll start going and tearing. and it's like you realize you're gonna have to work with these people in a year right like that, like they're not yeah. gonna just dis- disappear because you can't see them at, right now. Yeah, that's like,
2: really intense. People forget that these are real people.
1: I mean, I don't know about you. If you've ever, <laughs> but I've had jobs where I've like worked with people and I don't really like them and I don't really agree with their ideology and stuff. That doesn't mean that like they need to be destroyed. You know, like it. it you you educate people or like it. You know, in the case of ideology, like you can't like unless they're real close to you. Arguing about ideologies is inherently bad because like you have your ideologies based on your experiences and background, and then you have your ideologies based on your experience and background. Like fighting about it is just going to divide us. And talking about it in like a non-offended way can actually bring us together and make us agree on things. That's like the way to do it. But I feel like a lot
2: of people are... Well, condescension and sarcasm has just like gotten to the level of like eleven.
1: That's Everyone on the honest. internet is smarter than me, apparently. Like well, I. Don't... Everybody. Yeah.
2: <laughs> everybody. It, I mean, that goes for everybody. And yeah, it's just like this is one like this emoji, like that one. Hurts the shrug. And, the shrug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one hurts. Ah, uh, this one. This the, one. The hurt. face palm. Yeah. The face palm. If I said something preposterous and they're just like, "Oh, I feel bad for him," you know. Yeah. And there's just like we're now we're communicating, you know, not just like letters, but like like fake people. Like, li- like, literally, we're going like this to express ourselves because we miss human interaction so much.
1: Yeah, we need the human interaction. Like, it's... It, I, I think that a lot of the times people, like, they can be brought back to reality simply by, like, being reminded of, like, their friends and family and stuff. And that's what's scary with the social isolation the most is, like, not being able to ground yourself. That was... It,
0: it, throughout that whole... Speech, talk, whatever, answer, whatever you want to call it. it I, I was smiling ear to ear because it—it's so refreshing. To hear what I say, what I've said in par- private and on past interviews, and thinking that in my, in my head that I am, and I'm only thinking this, I'm alone. I'm going to be a, labeled a weirdo about listening to this, and then hearing somebody else from someone I've never met before until this day repeat <laughs> the same things I've said before in small conversations and more and more on a public forum like this podcast, my radio show, things like that. Yeah, it, it it's so refreshing to hear that I'm like, there's more people out there. That, oh, yeah. that actually feel the way we feel right now. And oh, it's yeah. just it's just the people with the most followers and likes have the biggest voice right now.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. And you know what else, too, is important? Um, people with social influence get paid to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with a Cameo, um, but in Cameo, it's something you can use to pay celebrities to say things, say happy birthday. I mean, I, I can't imagine, and this, I mean, I have my own, feelings about like big giant record label corporations and stuff that I want to get into but you know I I don't know I think a lot of these people get paid to say certain things and have certain opinions and and push certain things so like I you know yeah I feel like the the large influencers and and huge musicians like depending on who is backing them and why they exist like i don't know that like they should ever be a real good uh baseline you know anymore i think maybe use it maybe like if you can find some genuine artists who like share genuine opinions but yeah everyone's a business when you're an influencer on the internet you're a business so if someone's going to pay you a lot of money to support a certain cause like you're a business
2: yeah
0: you become a brand. You become uh, uh, something. You become a caricature of yourself. So, right. I, I mean, I've asked that question with artists, that especially like artists that have ended up being signed or on labels or whatnot. It's like, what? where do you start and where does the, the idea of the band uh, begin? Right. And and the band and their mentality versus your individual mentality can sometimes be one and the same, and sometimes they actually will be different to the point where I mean I'm even hearing like as of like the new hot topic was that the drummer for System of a Down is a huge Trump supporter, right? And okay. and uh, and we're all like scratching our heads and like, have you listened to the music that you help create? And and <laughs> and you're like, it is completely opposite where you're talking to, and we're all just like really fucking confused right now about what's yeah. what's going on and it's almost like a, it's it's these it's the idea of like becoming these cult of personality types that yeah. that that uh end up now moving the needle more than just actual intelligence scientific research things like that and i think people are starting to see that more and more to the point where like we don't need called personalities anymore. We don't need um these these larger than life personalities. We need real people
2: talking about real things for real yeah. movement. Well even if it's even if it's artists and entertainers rather than politics, because at the end of the day no one really no one cares. But what people do what <laughs> what people do care about is policy. So if people could start talking about the policy because everything everybody can't be for the same exact cause. That's not how it works. So pick one and go for it. And now Demand policy, demand change, and go talk about the politicians that are actually doing it. And, you know, that's how you get political. That's what you do.
1: Being an advocate.
2: Be basically, yeah, uh, you know, letting people know what you stand for. And hopefully it's a good thing and there's a lot of change involved. And then you connect the dots as to who and what can make that happen.
1: And, this, I can... and that's
2: all there is to it. And, and f- for other people to come in and tell me what I'm supposed to, to believe or believe in, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's like, I have my, I know, I know what I need done. So I'm going to figure out who can provide that. That's it. It's that simple. It really is that simple. I. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it's like, like I said, ideology and you know, I something for me personally, I, you know, being an ex drug addict, you have to deal with a lot of things. I have scars on my arms. I'm not proud of, you know, people look at me weird. Pe- Tony's got the same thing. His are worse than mine, but you know, you kind of have to learn to break through things like when people people don't like you automatically because they, they have a certain idea of who you are or, or they don't like you automatically because they think of what you stand for. Like, But we've changed a lot of people's minds about drug addicts in general because there's a stigma. There's two different people in the world. One of them, uh, they empathize with drug addicts. They realize it's an illness. And, and once you, you get hooked on drugs, you become a different person. And then there's another person that says drug addiction is a choice um drug addicts should die because they're bad people and they won't stop and even though you tell them to stop they don't stop they're just bad people you know so you have those two different perspectives and something i do a lot is is i flip that perspective on its head and i try to that's part of like who we are is like we try to be living examples of what can happen if you stop doing drugs and start doing some soul work and take care of your body like you can become different people and and you know like that's changed a lot of people's perspectives that's like a big thing of what we want to do is change people's perspectives of what a drug addict really actually is. And I think that um, my experience with that and probably Tony's too, like it, it helps us to be a little bit more forgiving in ideologies and be like, okay, so why does this person think this way? What made them think this yeah, way? Is huge. this real or is it not? Because, you know, that's like, it goes back to the narrative thing where like, like, you're well, either following one narrative or another.
2: Like, and also say, it's just a it, it, you know, it's just, if this person does this and does this doesn't mean they're this. We're just so quick to, you know, and, and also what's polarizing is, is, is that people on both sides of the political spectrum with ideologies can't integrate right now. They can't talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's the saddest day, man, because it's like, you you know, you'll, you'll argue with somebody online knowing that you just differ in opinion, but you know, no one wants to actually say anything, but then you run into that person in real life. It's a completely different tone. You know, there's empathy involved immediately. Like right here, even this, I can see your face. Even though it's still virtual, this changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. You know, like so. This is already better. You know, um, because you wait for someone to talk. You you know, there's there's things involved. There's manners. There's you know, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, there's mutual respect. You know, it's biting your lip. You know, can't do that on your on online. You know, stuff like that. So we're losing, I think, that that an initial like that uh, instinctual compassion that we have as human beings. Being online, and I think the more we do it, it's going to desensitize desensitize people. For when they do have to do it in real life, they don't really know how to behave because you know you're not even, probably, I mean,
1: you're not even really. I don't know about you, but as far as I know, in a professional sense, arguing politics at work is very frowned upon.
0: <laughs> it's I I work uh, in 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 a place where uh, I I am. I am about 10 years younger than most of my my co-workers who've all been in the radio industry in in the heyday, and and I live now in, in this digital realm and uh it it's so jarring to see what i've gotten excited about what they've gotten excited about and what they feel and what i feel it's really it's really interesting i i am in that punk ass millennial in their building telling them for change and some people welcome it and some people are actually are scared about what the future holds so they yeah. they they lash out and they become the biggest divas they can be uh, yeah. and make make the biggest stink about the smallest little things while I will come up and I see an issue and I just roll with it and I just I, exactly. I, I roll with the punches and then I hopefully can make things better or simpler or smoother for the next people it's, it's just that different type of ideology and yes, politics it has no place uh, in the workplace what you believe and what you stand for is, is your own self um, I, I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't voice it but right. if it gets to a point where what you're voicing is morally, ethically, and uh, possibly physically and emotionally wrong, then there's an issue. But right. if you have a dissenting, uh, if you have a dissenting of opinion about a you know a, a certain law or how certain people hold themselves or things like that, then that's that's up to interpretation.
2: Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like religion, like with ideology. You know, you have like you can't, you can't go like to work or you go on the internet and tell everyone, you know, if you're a, say you're a Christian and and you think that that person should be Christian and they're an atheist, like you can't go like on everything that they post on their Facebook and be like, you should be Christian. You know, You, you can't do that. You can't do that at work. You would get fired. That's actually very like disrespectful, you know, as far as, as far as I know, like, and I feel like people really need to approach, like we said, when we have these types of conversations in private with people we trust and we care about then it's easier because you know that this person like you already know this person isn't a bad evil person like you know like their general like what makes them uh, tick you know so it makes more sense but when when it's just random people or people you don't know very well and everything like that like it does it causes like you know especially yeah on the internet like it just causes like so much tension that's why like you know holiday parties when you're going to see you know family thanksgivings and whatever like you're not supposed to talk about politics it always goes south every time every
2: time i've 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 literally seen two people agree agree with each other and just tear each other apart
1: (laughs) that happens to me too yeah like they're literally
2: agreeing on the same thing but they're but they come from different places you know and they so because of that they're just like it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why? Yeah, Is this, is some of these topics
0: that we've, we've touched on is some of the, is that somewhere, uh, is that some of the topics that you're trying to hit with the upcoming album uh, with the escape artists?
1: Um, I mean, we talk, we talk about the internet a lot um, in some ways or not. Uh, the escape artist is more about like, Let's see the first song. It's really hard to say. We call it the Escape Artist because it's like a play on words, you know. We're a sw- we're like people who are good at escaping from reality. So the Escape Artist is is about like acknowledging that and like learning to deal with our problems. A lot of a lot of the music we've created for this is it's six songs. I think we're doing now. Five. It's five songs, and then we have one shoot off song that we're not going to include, but it does have a music video. It's called Sucker Punch, but. Um, a lot of these songs are just way, like, we literally, it's kind of meta, I guess, because we took these problems that we were having in our life, and we made a big song and music video production out of them, and, like, sometimes we make it funny, you know, like, uh, 14 to 1 is a song about, uh, basically, it's kind of, like, about a friendship gone bad, like, and, and just... It's it's hard to explain, but but that one is something that we dealt with in real time, you know. Yeah. And uh, the next song, Sucker Punch, that uh, is not going to be on the EP, but it is generally still part of you know the the music video series. Uh, that one was just about like shitty jobs that we had. Like this, we 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 worked as pizza serving pizza for like two years while we built all of our studio. You know, we we saved everything we could. And, and got everything we could, you know. And, and it was just like a kind of a miserable experience. And that was hard. Like, it's really hard to work a shitty job for two years after being a drug addict and not want to go back to doing drugs. Because yeah. it's like, oh. <laughs> you know, and all you want to do is escape. And ins- instead of going back to doing drugs, we decided to make like a funny video about it. Like, I get to shove pizza on someone's face. You know, like, just like stuff I would do if I could, but I can't, you know. Right. Um, well, uh, the
2: next song, Drippy. On there is it talk about meta like that song came like from a place of insecurity almost deep insecurity you know yeah. and so Kat was really challenging herself to sing that style like that was not something that she was familiar with and she was like she was like trying to sing she kept writing this stuff and she's like you know here, I want to try something and then we took that bassline from Lonnie that's kind of smooth and Kat tried this whole new style basically she just kind of proven her. To herself that she could do it, which was great. As a produ- as an engineer, I was like, "Oh my god!" You know. So well,
1: because yeah, we do a lot of like wacky stuff, you know, a lot of like off the cuff stuff, and like being able to do like just kind of a more like somber, kind of like smoky, bluesy kind of song was. Uh, it was fitting for the time though, because yeah, that song is about being insecure and knowing, you know, it's it's about knowing that I've made mistakes in my life and being aware of that and and knowing that I'll never be who I could have been. And that's okay because I have things to do, you know? So that song, yeah, that song is really important for me. I sing that one to myself all the time still. That's great. (laughs) Um, And then what's next? We have uh, Dimes and Quarters. Dimes and Quarters Quarters is based off of like a very real experience of someone who isn't me because I don't like to incriminate myself in podcasts. But it's about... um, (laughs) It's about... uh, someone who couldn't get a job because every good job opportunity wants to do a background check and the, the mere thought of having it, that's the thing like it's like it's more than just the background check it's like the the idea that you have to go in and all that interview stress and everything and then you could still not get the job because of this mark you have and like even Even knowing, like, imagine going in, and every time you have a job, like, okay, so I used to be addicted to hard drugs. You You have to do it It because if you don't, then they're gonna find out, and then it's more like you're trying to hide it. So, you know, like, so that was like an experience, you know, that was very applicable to experiences I've had, lots of experiences other people have. Just like keeping going back and doing the same thing over and over again because that's where you're comfortable, even though it's not good, and even though it's less comfortable than you would be if you would. Just do the right thing. You just don't know how, you know, so, you know, that in and of itself is kind of beautiful because uh, we make a lot of our money from Tony working in live sound and, and doing studio work for people. So in making the music, like I guess, yeah, that's another like meta thing cause like in making the music, and and making people aware of us existing we draw in more studio clients so like that that song actually solved problems more than any any other yeah, drugs yeah. could you know so there's it's just like yeah, all, all these songs, we spend so much time on all of them. Sometimes they take like three months to complete. Uh, not like three months in entirety, you know, but like we'll we'll have to like work on it and then wait and then work on it. And then, you know, put like a whole five straight days of hard work into it and then stop. And and there's like, yeah, there's so much love in all these songs. Yeah, yeah there really is. <laughs> but we love that because it, it gives us something to do besides like, well... If I did drugs once, nobody would notice. Like you know, we don't even have time to go there in our minds anymore. Like like what has brought us back to drugs so many times in our past? Like because we're doing this. So that's like the essentially why the, the escape artist is the escape artist. We're escaping into the music
2: and instead I, of I, instead I, of. Other I, it's things. great because it's such a loop. Like for me, it's like well, I have this history now. <laughs> this you know this nine ten year history of this horrible drug addiction. I mean, I'm I'm am so over it. But it's like if the, if I make music, the only thing I have. That no one can say that I'm not allowed to make music. You know, like I've got everyone by the balls because it's like, it's like this has saved me from the worst drug addiction you can have. And so, why would you question this and take it away from me? It's like beautiful. I love it. I, I feel almost nefarious, but it's not. You know, it's just like, it's all I have. So, we're not going to stop doing it because it literally keeps us m- moving forward. Like, you know, eventually we will probably have a kid and we're not even scared because I think we can keep making music and have a kid. Because I think that there's ideology that scares people into thinking you can't do that, you know, and it's like, well, I think you can, you just have to be ready for it. And That's really all it comes down to, you know, that kind of thing. Because like, I always used to be terrified of the idea of like, I won't be able to play anymore. It's like, why?
1: My hope, honestly, I have this hope that eventually as time goes on and we see a lot more, and I don't hope for tragic deaths, but they will continue to happen if we don't do something about the opioid epidemic in America. Tragic deaths with um, big artists, small artists, people that are in your family. Like, Like, I hope that this gets to people eventually and it hits home for them enough eventually where, like, we can finally just stop acting like drugs are cool and glamorous. They're not, you know? They suck. It's... Like, drugs are not cool and glamorous. Everybody, like, romanticizes Kurt Cobain and and his heroin addiction, you know, and people romanticize, like, Percocets and, and rap music and, like, there's so many different, like, ways that it gets romanticized and... Yeah, like, like, why shouldn't we be able to make music if we're not partying and doing drugs? Like, we don't even drink alcohol. And you know what? We still have lots of fun. Like, I don't care if you drink alcohol or they drink alcohol, but, like, if, you know, we don't have to do it. It doesn't have to be part of the thing, you know? Well, like, and
2: what's really important is that, like, it's in our message, but we don't write songs about not doing drugs and alcohol. Anymore. No. It's like, we don't write songs, like, yeah, I'm not doing the drugs, you know, and we don't, yeah. we don't do that, <laughs> you know, but, but, but it's all over our message, you know? It's more about it being the underdog and more about hope and redemption you know overall and we happen to have a hell of a story but really like that's not we're, we're never trying to preach we're never trying to like tell people anything our opinions mean shit yeah we're just observing and reporting basically.
1: all we know is that we had our experiences we don't do certain things because of how they affect us on a personal level and yeah we want to share that with people because i never had somebody like tell me because i started doing heroin when i was 16 years old like the first time yeah i I was introduced to it when I was working at a car wash, my first job. I worked full time at a car wash and uh, I was introduced to it by some older people that worked there and they were like, Hey, this is cool. This is fun. Like buy some off of me so that I can go get more. You know, I didn't know that at the time, but yeah. So, um, you know, fuck. Where was I going with this?
2: Um, you were young, 16, you're at the car wash.
1: Man, I've told this story too many times. All right, so um
2: I mean what she was getting to is that it can happen to anybody and and basically I mean, you know, it's like for all stereotypes society, like a sixteen year old blonde girl, like having her first job is not supposed to be like let off into the corner to do heroin right. with coworkers. You know, like that's but we that that shit happens. What were you, you talking
1: know? about before I started talking?
2: I was probably talking about something awesome.
1: Something awesome? Yeah. I had a point and now I'm mad because I don't remember what it was. But, um,
2: see, another reason why you shouldn't do drugs.
1: Yeah, my brain cells are fried. <laughs> you had, you had,
0: it, it's you, you, uh, you, you don't claim to be preachy. You have your story and your experiences and oh, your yeah, opinions. Right. And, and it. yeah, go ahead.
1: I got it. So, nobody, when I was a kid, I didn't have anybody around telling me if you do heroin, here's some bad things that are going to happen to you. You could get, um, cancer. I didn't know that. Like you're, if you do too many drugs, like your body will start developing cancerous cells, you know. You could have scars that affect the rest of your life. I didn't think about the fact that your arms could fall off. I didn't think about the fact that I could get a felony and then couldn't rent anywhere any you know, it's people don't realize that like the, the knowledge of not doing drugs is kind of like a privilege in a lot of ways. Like you have to be educated about it. So
2: it's so overlooked so quickly. Just simple circumstance and outcomes of drug use. Like we don't we don't teach it in school. We teach them the chemistry a little bit. We teach them cultures a little bit. But like, we need more people like just telling stories and giving them the actual like outcome, you know, and giving the op- and giving the choice to the students. Not and saying I, don't do them. Like saying, well, this is what happens, you know. Like
1: and like that's kind of is. kind of what I was getting. Is like I didn't have someone like that when I was the age that I started doing drugs. And you know, like like Tony, he started when he was like twenty seven. Like he'd already like had a. a a life before he fell into it. So there's still people out there that like are not aware of like exactly what kind of damages you're you're putting yourself in, into, like the, the kind of situations that you're creating. Like like it's not. When somebody says good or bad, like that's up for interpretation. Like people always told me, like in in high school, like the same in the same video where they said heroin was bad, they said that weed would make you melt into your couch and your bones would disappear. So away. how how, so, like,
2: yeah. so how how are kids supposed to like trust people that say don't do drugs when the last commercials they saw are about weed and, you, and, and, eggs, and, you and they're smoke, boiling in pots? You know, like, what, and you what?
1: smoke you smoke a joint and and you don't die and you're like okay, well they're telling me I'm my brain's gonna melt if I smoke weed and I, and I'm okay so you know that's like where kind of like some of the the gateway ideology comes in they're not the same like drugs should not be treated the same and they're you know i want to be that person for people i want to educate people on it if i can with my experiences well it's insane
2: like when you realize that just transparency and honesty and addressing things straight on what what it will really do for people we stop sugarcoating stuff and stop worrying if you're embarrassing people like stop it like we're get grow up you know like let's talk about this stuff you know it's,
0: it's yeah. being yourself and supporting others and paving a way for another generation or another set of people, uh, that, uh, that will exist on this world or universe and having them a better life for them. Exactly. Like, you know, you're, you're re you, nobody, n- nobody knows, nobody knows who made a path to somewhere. They just know it's there.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, like I was stressing the, like the underdog story in general, like we're not just, our message isn't just tailored for ex-drug addicts. You know, it's just, it's a come up story and that's yeah. like, because they're all, they're in the movies. The movies already have, you know, there's tons of movies about these, these, these stories and they're great and all But Like, I like this is real. You know, I just want people to know that, you know, like you can come out of the gutter and, and be okay. It's going to all going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and, and that's at the end, that's really the, the biggest, the, the thing. biggest thing. Is- yeah.
1: It wasn't just that we were drug addicts. We also came like from homelessness, you know, I had started building my life after I had got clean the first time I got clean, which was when I was about 18. Um, and I, I had started building my life back a little bit here and there. And then, you know, as soon as I picked up the drugs again, it was a matter of a couple months and I had lost everything I had. I had my, my car was gone. My house was gone all my jewelry was gone, everything. Like, I, s- I sold everything. Like, I just, like, had nothing, you know? So I had to start over again. And, yeah, having having an out there in the universe that, like, that can happen to you, and you can live on the streets, and then, like, you know, if you can get yourself some help going to uh, homeless shelters, or there's, you know, plenty of rehabilitation centers that are state-funded, especially in Illinois, um, and you can get you can get some help, like, you just, you need to, you know get back into the swing of things and, and you can, you can come back up on your own. Like we, we operate with very little help. I mean, we had our PA that we used to practice was donated to us from a church. Um, we've had a mixing board donated to us from a church very recently, like within the past week. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And uh, but besides that, I mean, we're pretty much self built entirely on uh, server wage for two yeah. years <laughs> and paying our own rent and paying our bills and everything. And and it's very possible to do this in a short uh, amount of time, especially if you stay really super focused. That's the biggest thing. Like, if you can stay really focused, you can you can play catch up a little bit, you know. So it's not all all is not lost, even if you feel like you're in like somewhere you can't get out of. You can you can always get out. Yeah. So that's another important thing. I,
0: I I'm I'm just kind of just blown away by this whole the this whole talk because I I I did not know. What to fully expect when jumping in? I mean, you know, Dean gave me the contacts and you know told me about this band. I, I mean, saw him posting about it, and didn't it didn't occur to me that like when I had the opportunity to talk to you guys and and just get blown away and now admire not only your your story but now the music just that just that more. So I I think that's that's a beautiful that's thing. Thank you very much. That's great. Of course, I mean,
2: that—that—that's that, the biggest right there. That—that's the all we're at demand. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thank you. It's—it's—it's
0: so it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome. What are some of the goals you want to try to hit in 2020 outside of not getting the virus? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it, we're trying to move, <laughs> um, but besides that, on a more professional level. Um, goals that we would like to achieve. We're working right now. Um, I don't want to say anything specifically because I don't want to give anything away before, um, before it happens, but we're working right now on with some, we're connecting with various different um, recovery programs and rehabs to uh, eventually get something going where we either, uh, you know, do like youth speaking where we can talk to the youth about what happened to us and be very like frank and honest and like show the scars and let them know like, like bad things will happen. You know, that's one thing we want to do. Going to treatment facilities and working with people in recovery or fresh in recovery and trying to help them uh, heal with music. I think that's really important. Um, We talked to other artists about this. There's various different programs already like recovery unplugged and, and some other ones where, They, uh, do rehabilitation with music and being able to process your feelings through music is so great and it works so well. And it sounds like really like idealistic, but I promise you my little brother, here's another little piece of information. My little brother, he's 26 years old. He's a couple years younger than me. Um, he was also addicted to heroin. He got addicted to heroin when I was clean from heroin. So it it was just in our neighborhood really bad where we grew up, the rural kind of suburbs. And, uh. He's been clean for a little over a year now. He moved in with us and he went from knowing nothing about music at all and being the kind of person who says, I don't even do music. I don't know. I just listen to it. Um, he has his own Pro Tools set up now. He has uh, learned how to run Pro Tools. He's had his friends over recording them. <clears throat> he released a song and a music video too, not too long ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's helping him like, kind of learn how to process and and deal with his problems and, and feel accomplished about something and, and be part of, of something cool, you know? And like once you learn how to do something, like like run how to operate, learn how to operate a studio, you know, even on a small level, like you start be- being able to believe in yourself more and more and more. And I think that that's part of the reason why music works is because it, it's therapeutic it's something that you can accomplish that's tangible and it's something that you can build a community around too. There's so, also an
2: entrepreneurial like element too that like, <laughs> when, like people need to realize there's a million avenues in the music scene. You know, there's so many things you can do. Right? Like, like I'm an engineer and I'm in a band, you know, but there's like a million things, there's, there's so many things.
1: Like the, guy, like the guy who takes pictures for bands, he makes money. You know, The mm-hmm. guy who, who works the door at the club or, or works in promoting, he makes money. You know, the guy who does production makes money. The guy who assists production makes money. Like, all these people make, there's, like, so many different ways to be involved in the community, too. Um, That it's just, like, it's, like, it's, like, a, it's, I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah, it's just, we really do want to get more involved with that. So, we're working on multiple different levels with different people to start getting our foot in the door as far as that goes.
2: So, yeah, benefit shows and stuff like that. You know, as far as creatively, like, we're just going to keep, like, it's the balls, like, going 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 you know we're uh wrapping up this ep the escape artist
1: we've already gotten um, half the next one done. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so once that's done we're gonna do the same thing music video and then we're gonna wrap it up and do a big release and that'll be its own thing and then we're gonna move on we already have we already have two songs written for the next album so we're i mean we got tons of material you know the way we write the way we facilitate our writing is you know it's very ideal for us you know like we have access we might have access to a much bigger studio coming up
1: hopefully we'll see yeah we'll see which would, be, which
2: would be great but we will never change <laughs> our methods you know like we'll always write in the house literally you know we've we're very so much spontaneous we've written so many things in the bathroom in the kitchen this is you know, our like, this so. right
1: here is our living room and we don't even have a tv like the way that some people might come and watch tv like that's like another thing with no. the media we can't like the media we got to like maybe like get in for like 30 minutes and then maybe do some research or whatever and then get out. So we don't even have a TV. We just have the studio in our living room and we just like, we use the studio as if normal people, I guess would watch TV. And I think that's like really actually constructive for us cause it's fun and it's, you get something accomplished and it keeps us like moving. Like, yeah, we have so much stuff like that. We, you know, two songs that we have almost nearly finished. And then we have so many other little bits and pieces of things uh, much like many artists do, I'm sure, but different bi- bits and pieces that are just kind of waiting to, like, find you know, their...
2: Something else exciting, too, is uh, the platforms. Because, you know, as as this album wraps up and we move on, as we're going to release this and move on, I think we're going to, like, start looking for, um, I don't know, a better platform, I guess, than, like, I guess you could just say Facebook. It's just, we've been talking about this for a while now, where it's, it, there's, you know... I don't know. There's something weird about having a timeline where you see so much negativity and then art. And then, you know, it's like someone got hit by a car. Here's broken robots. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, like, it's
1: just weird. Like it's, it's out of context. It's
2: hard to get people involved in, into the universe of broken robots, you know, I know it, but it, because on Facebook. So we want to utilize it probably as a, as a tool uh, to promote and, and whatnot, but I don't want to reside there. I don't yeah, want that. May. I don't want that to be where broken robots lives. You know. That we're talking about so,
1: uh, changing the platform. For yeah. Sure.
2: Here's Benji. Here's Benji. our dog. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that's in the works. Shows. I mean, you know how it is with shows. Like right now, I don't really know. We have something uh, tentatively planned for August first, an outdoor event.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then we're doing a gorilla show in a secret location tomorrow. Yeah. That that's all I can say.
2: And then, uh, So because the venues are starting to open up now, we're going into phase four. I don't know how the phasing is wherever you are. Phase four begins tomorrow in Chicago, which means 50 people or less inside um, is
1: allowed. allowed.
2: So that's that's the biggest move. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, I'm, you know. I don't know. As far as playing outside and events like that, that's we're, gonna be great.
1: We're certainly not stopping. No. So that's no, no, all no, no, that no, we no. can say for sure.
0: <laughs> that's good. That's awesome. And, and and I do appreciate you guys taking the time out and telling your story with us. And hopefully somebody will 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 take to heart what we've talked about tonight, and uh, maybe maybe do some good out there. And also listen to some rad music, of course, because that's the whole point of this podcast is to talk about great artists.
1: At the end of the day, the music is great. So (laughs) thank you for having us on the show. Uh, We really appreciate it. This was fun. Of course.
0: Of course. Of course. If we want to get in touch with Broken Robots, how do we do so?
1: So right now we do have um, Facebook. It's a very uh, probably the the tool that we use the most right now as far as social media goes. You can contact us there. BrokenRobotsMusic.com is our website. Um, There's information for contact there uh we have instagram we have like yeah all the social medias we don't have twitter but we should but we don't um although i don't know that might be annoying (laughs) uh but yeah we do have our website brokenrobotsmusic.com that's probably the easiest way and then you don't have to deal with anything else any crazy sensationalized news around it anything it's just our stuff so
0: (laughs) yeah That's awesome. And, of course, you can follow this podcast on all major podcast platforms. You follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at OnTheRadarPC. If you have an opportunity to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform of choice, hey, please do so. Invite your friends, invite your family, and if you could leave us a review, hey, that would be great as well. It gets us going. Uh, And thank you so much for joining us here on another home edition of the On The Radar podcast.